This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your guest host, David Knight from Exposit the Word, standing in for Dwayne. Different hosts, same show, and same top, top guests. So let's get to it because I am super excited to be coming through your speakers, your earbuds, wherever you are listening to the bar. And as always, we are grateful that you are listening and we love to start off the show by thanking you, the listeners, for tuning in and supporting the show. And just like we do every Tuesday, we bring you another awesome guest. And this one is no different. Hello and welcome, Edward T. Welch. David, thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Oh, thank you, Ed. I'm so glad to be with you as well. Ed, tell us everything we need to know about you in 60 seconds. In <laughs> 60 seconds? That should be enough time, probably. Let's see. I'm a husband, 43 years to Sherry. I have two daughters, married, so two sons-in-law. I have eight grandchildren, four apiece on each side. And they are they are good fun. I have two grand puppies, which is relatively new. It's nice to have dogs that other people own rather than I own myself. <laughs> yes. Let's see. I'm an elder in my church. I've been an elder for for since I've been in my mid twenties, probably. The work I do is both my vocation and my avocation. How could it not be? I it's my hobby. I I just plain enjoy it. My wife and I had a question yesterday. We, every once in a while, we'll pose questions at dinner. Um, and the question was, what, what strikes you as beautiful? What, when you think of beauty, what, what captures it? And, and there were three things that we identified. One was a colorful sunset. Second was an ocean. The third, mine was a bit more specific than hers. Uh, the... The Wasash Mountains erupting out of the Salt Lake Valley uh, in all their utter majesty. We used to live out there. It's in the American West. So that, uh, that probably captures just about everything. I don't think there's much more to know. Well, that's great. Ed. If my wife asked me the question, what do I think is beautiful? I would definitely be taking a hint that she's wanting me to pay her a compliment. <laughs> well, we, we, I, I, when I asked the question, I was the one who posed it. And I, oh, I said, it doesn't happen. We're, we're not going to include people in this. Okay. Right. So, so you don't have to say I am. I'm not going to say you are. I, I know you are. And 
Vice you won't appreciate the compliment, said no. Ed, <laughs> how and when did you become a Christian? I grew up with fine parents, fine Christian parents. So I always knew Jesus, always knew who he was, and and always believed the truth of, of Christ. But I I didn't follow him. That distinction for me was a very, very important one and became very clear in my own mind. Through various circumstances, largely through reading the Bible, my last year in, at the university, it it was a time where I became convicted of sin against you and you only. I saw how the Spirit used the Word and how powerful it was. And so as a result, I had been making a few other plans for graduate school, and and I decided, no, if I can, right now, I would like to study this Bible because this thing is powerful. Uh, and yeah. so I went off to seminary and and then went off into other things after that. Yeah. So tell us about that. How did you end up in the field of psychology? I, I suspect I, I always had – I always noticed two interests growing up. One is – Generally, medicine and how the body worked, I found that to be interesting. How could how could you not? Um, but the other, even even when I was growing up, even in my teen years, I think the questions: Who are we? And and why do we do the things we do? And how are we? Why are we different? And how are we so similar? And what's all this about love? How it seems to be so central in utterly everything. And why do we do things that are so self-destructive? Those kinds of questions were, they, they seem as though they had some more substance to them uh, than, than medicine did. And then after I became a Christian, those, those questions became turbocharged because I saw that scriptures among scriptures grand questions who is god and and who are we and and every page of scripture is a is a further revelation of human heart and human behavior yeah yeah we're here to talk about an exciting new project that you've been working on the csb life council bible tell us all about it ed and how you came to be involved with it uh project like this is is massive, utterly massive, and and people have tried it before. I've I've been asked to be part of things before, and frankly, the, the timing with not the timing, but the sheer amount of time was never available. So so this particular this particular work with the CSB, it was a result of a of a partnership between New Growth Press, which has printed some of my materials. And the CSB. That's how it happened. New Growth Press had been accumulating, I think, increasingly fine biblical counseling material. Um, so it really was the combination of those two. What did I do? I, uh, I just, I just lived long enough to accumulate articles and, and longer blogs and mini books and books and, and the, the, the and people called that material for for different sections of this particular Bible a massive amount of work, but I am so pleased that they were able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So am I. Really good stuff. Ed, what is biblical counselling? That's uh, a big question, and it's a simple question. Uh, I'll I'll try the the simple version of it. Biblical counselling is think of discipleship. It's it's the same as discipleship. It's bringing scripture to life. Uh, but, but there's a different entry point, typically. 
with discipleship, the question is, how can I grow? Help me to grow in Christ. With, with biblical counseling, the, the question is, I'm, st- I'm stuck. Help. I am in utter misery, and I don't know how to get out of it. It's the, it's the hardships of life that are pressing on the person that tends to be the entrance into biblical counseling. When I, when I try to assess my own counseling, there are all kinds of different ways to assess it. What makes it biblical? I think, I think there are two tests for skillful care that I, I think of. One is God is a God of compassion. And he knows his people. And we will never know people as well as the Lord does, obviously. But but there is a way we are called to the same thing, to know one another and to be moved with compassion as we know them. Uh, so do people feel known? That's That would be one test. In biblical counseling, do people feel known in their troubles, in in their strengths, in their weaknesses, um, in their growth and godliness? And in their sins, do people feel known? Do people feel known and and pastored and cared for, um, not rejected, but 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 loved? So that would be one. The second is is as we move to scripture and ask the question, what does God have to say? Uh, are they beautiful words that that bring life and and hope and 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 love and a path? To our lives, so those are the those are the two questions in the back of my mind. Am I knowing people in the sense that they they enjoy they they have the they have the privilege of being known and and then together does God's word sound beautiful and compelling? That's yeah. you know, those yeah. are the ways I would assess how well we're doing as biblical counselors. Yeah, really helpful, Ed. Thank you for sharing that. Ed, what advantage do you have as a Christian psychologist over someone who has a secular worldview? I, I guess in some ways, it's a, that's a larger question. What advantage do all of us have who have Christ to compared to those who who don't? Well, uh, same. I'll say the same kinds of things as a Christian as a Christian counselor or a Christian psychologist. Um, in the world, one of the prominent struggles is the struggle with anxiety. Um, um, I'll, I'll just take one, but it's one everybody's familiar with. As someone who doesn't know Christ and doesn't have the opportunities to see who God is, who Christ is, and, and know the contours of the human heart, you're, what you're doing is you're trying to teach people self-management skills. How can you calm your body and how can you try to stay more in the present than, than live in the future? You know, those, those would be sort of the prominent anchors of a secular way of helping. For us, here's what we know. In the midst of our anxiety, we, we don't merely want self-management techniques. We want the right person. That's the way fear is. It doesn't want to be alone. It feels the aloneness of life and it doesn't want to be alone. And what we, what we have is the one whose, whose most prominent words and most beautiful words are, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now, of course, it takes the rest of our lives to grow in understanding those things and having them sink into our hearts. But, but it's that kind of depth 
that yeah. that we have. We know the person on whom we can rely in, in the midst of the storms of life. Yeah. Ed, you mentioned your contribution to this new uh, CSB Bible being some of the articles that you've written. Um, tell us about the ones that you've contributed that actually have made their way into this Bible. I... <laughs> Uh, I actually haven't keeping track of, of kept track of the, all the ones that are in there, but I, I think there's some. I, I, I can remember some. Uh, there's uh, something on anger. There's something on depression. There's something on addiction. There's something on on um, bipolar and psychiatric problems. Um, and then there's a sort of an opening description. What is biblical counseling? I know there. At least I've, I've, I've uh, contributed those. There are probably a few others. I'm not sure which ones they were. Yeah, great. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. How can we learn to thrive and grow through trials and suffering? Uh, and that, in in this particular counseling Bible, that is. That is certainly one of the critical questions. Um, I guess the first thing I think is how can we learn to thrive and grow in the midst of the miseries of life? Uh, we do it slowly. That's what we do. We do it slowly. Um, it's oftentimes the spirit gives us these radical insights that we it's like we turn in a moment and it sets us off in a new course. But typically, the way the spirit works is similar to what we see in creation. Things grow gradually. They're, they're fed. They, they're nurtured and, and they grow over time. And sometimes there are these growth spurts and sometimes it seems to be dormant. So how do we grow through trials? We anticipate we're going to grow slowly through them we're we're going to stumble quite a bit especially in in those early ones and then what's what's the first thing we might see um that jesus wants to wants us to speak to him in the midst of our suffering and and we notice in the psalms how he wants us to speak honestly and openly why are you hiding yourself you know, you seem deaf. Why are you silent? Why have you forsaken me? But even to even speak with that kind of honesty, uh, where God invites it, he even gives us the words to speak those things. That's, I think for me, that has been sort of the critical entrance into into growth in the midst of suffering to recognize that in the kingdom of heaven, it's a very chatty kingdom. It's, it's not, it's not silence. It is, it is God speaking to us and we're speaking back to him and he's speaking, responding to us and back and forth and back and forth. And it was, it was once I saw, Oh, this is the way it's done in God's kingdom. I think for me personally, that was the beginning of, I won't say thriving, but certainly growing. Jesus, help me. Jesus, yeah. help. And, and then, then perhaps considering what kind of help am I looking for? And then once you get the knack of the God who invites us to speak, then we can actually speak to other people and, and ask for them, for them to help. Ask for them to pray. Give them specific ways that we can pray. And, and then we begin to look for grace for today. Not for tomorrow, but grace for for the hour or the minute 
because the misery seems so intense. Give me grace for now. Then we begin to realize we're not suffering alone, but we're suffering with Christ and in Christ. We're suffering with the the church, even the world, even creation, past, present, and in future. And then what's the climax of it all? A patient endurance. That doesn't seem too flashy, but patient endurance that has hope that that the last word is going to be a very pleasant word and all things will be made right. That's a, that's a slightly longer answer. It could be, we could talk about that for the next, next few years, of course, <laughs> but that's a significant feature of, of a lot of the articles that appear in this particular Bible. And it's one of the most critical questions of our lives. How do we learn to grow and even thrive in the midst of suffering? It's really helpful, Ed. Thank you so much for that. We live at a time, don't we, where there's a growing movement of false teachers promoting the prosperity gospel, which leaves people without a category for trials and hard times. From your point of view, Ed, how dangerous is this? Um, how dangerous on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not much and 10 being horrifying? Well, it's it's certainly a 10. I think we've all... We've all witnessed that. Um, what do I find I, in, in the prosperity gospel? I find that, that what you have to do with suffering is you have to act as if it's, if, if it's not there. You, you can't face it because it doesn't fit in that particular system. God is the God who, who makes everything better now um, rather than gives us himself in the midst of our difficulties to trust him. So you have to act as though the hardships of life are not there. One of the, one of the attachments to that, David, that I found is, is now that you're in, in, in this process of living in a delusional world where you have to lie to yourself. No, that, no, that's suffering. It's not really, it, it's not really affecting me. I claim, I claim health or I claim prosperity, whatever it might be. When you lie to yourself, you're going to lie about other things that are hard. Either you're going to lie about your own sins. You're going to begin to deny your own sins and then push them away. And, and as you do those things, what happens? Christ becomes increasingly irrelevant where you, you become a Christian because you know, they're the people you're accustomed to being with, but, but you become utterly faithless as a result. So, you know, that's some of the process that I've seen with the prosperity gospel. The, the, the challenge, however, with the prosperity gospel is you don't have to teach it. It can, it can sort of come naturally out of our own hearts. Uh, uh, and and the, how do I see it now, especially in the U.S.? I, I see that it's, it's more subtle. It's the, what is the center of some of our worship services? And I think I, I see this in worship songs as much as anything. It is our needs, our desires. And worship songs oftentimes don't distinguish between desires that are good and desires that aren't so good. It's, it's you know, we're people who are needy. We have desires and we need satisfaction. And Christ is, is just the right guy. He's the right guy who's going to do it for us. And, 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 and so it, it's a more subtle version of a prosperity gospel, but it, it's, it's sort of changing the very center of, of creation to our own desires. And so here's our challenge. How do we get back to Revelation chapter four 
And okay, here's the center of the universe. Here's the lamb looking as though he's been slain. He's, he's a, he, he is the one who is on the throne. And, and so what does it mean to know him and to worship him for who he is? Or to, to take that phrase out of Proverbs, which persists through the New Testament, what does it mean to be utterly overwhelmed by the Lord? What does it, what does it mean to grow in the fear of the Lord in the best, in the most attractive sense? So you're identifying something where we can find flagrant examples of, of that kind of teaching. It's the less flagrant examples that we can find in our own hearts. That's, that's yeah. the challenge. And it's a serious yeah. one. Yeah. 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 So true. Thank you. One of the articles that you've written about is regarding bipolar. What advice do you mm. have for anyone listening or any family members that's living with somebody with uh, bipolar disorder? I guess the, the first thing is it's, it's an affliction for the person who experiences it. And, and it's a hardship for the family who lives with that particular person, which means that if we, if we know those who experience bipolar or if we know those who have it in their homes, what do we do? We, we go, we move toward them. Instead of thinking, oh, I don't know enough about those things, that's for the experts, we move toward them because we do know about misery and affliction. And it is hard for both the person who experiences it and the person who lives, who lives with the person. So, so at least for the body of Christ, it means let's move toward them and, and know them and invite them. And, and small things that make a big difference, pray for them, remember them. Uh, for, the, for the person who struggles under bipolar what are some of the things that I find myself doing? It's it, in some ways it's normal. It's normal growth. How do we learn to listen? How do we learn to listen to Christ when we'd rather do something different than what he says? How do we learn to listen and follow? Um, uh, that's all of us want to do that, but see, see the challenge with bipolar is when you move into the heights of bipolar, you're, you believe that nobody quite understands you and, and you know what, what is needed. You know the things that are most important and, and the words of other people simply don't matter. How can we learn to live under the words of God? And then along with that, to be submissive to the counsel of other people. That's, that's relevant for all of us. But I think for those who struggle with bipolar, where they're, at some point, they feel like what they're onto is so right and so good, they take these risky behaviors. You know, just they, they, they squander all their money on a particular stock. Uh, uh, on a, or on, 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 in gambling because they're so certain that things will go well. In bipolar, when you're up, the, the bad consequences simply do not exist. That's the, I think that's the real danger of it. And so if our lives are structured, if our, if our, if our moral lives are structured by bad consequences, in other words, I am not going to be unfaithful because ooh, bad things would happen to me. <laughs> you know, people would find out and oh, yeah, yeah, my kids would hate me. If that is, if that's the way we're living our life, then we're in trouble if we're ever going to be, we're, we're in trouble anyway. But, yeah. but bipolar takes away those consequences. It blinds you to those consequences. Um, 
So how can we listen to Christ and and grow and delight in obedience to him, even when it's it cross purposes to sometimes our own hearts? Um, yeah. That would be again, that's very simple, but but that's yeah. that's oftentimes the way I want to walk with people who are prone to such things. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Thank you. There are many Christians that struggle with assurance and resting in God's approval. What would you say to help someone with this, Ed? I would say that that there's an instinct in the human heart that we are what we've how we've performed. We are our resumes. We. We, we are what we've earned in a sense. We are our income. And, and humanity was never created to live with that kind of foundation. It's not enough to live on. <laughs> we, we are mere human beings. And we were created to rest in, in what God himself has done. And... And obviously what he's done most most clearly for us in in the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what am I saying? What am I saying first? That I have instincts in my own heart to want to earn, to want to find some sort of resume that I can be proud of. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I think the 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 way out of that is not simply to jump to Matthew eleven which is among among the most beautiful passages in scripture what Matthew 11:28 come come and come come to me you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest it's a, it's among the most beautiful but to, for that to be beautiful it it is it is better if we come with confession where we can confess lord here's here's my life and i wish it were not this way but i'm always to try i'm, I'm always trying to find something i can stand on that i have done i'm always trying to build my own kingdom even though if it's a little bit try to have some sort of expertise in something ay 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 lord help me um i think of paul in philippians 3 he's our He's our he's our he's our guy where he presents his resume and he says, ah, can you believe that that this is the resume that gave me life before? Well, given that I'm going to rip up my resume, I am just going to burn this sucker. And 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 I want my resume to be solely in Christ. That's that's the direction we're going. And I guess it goes back to another question you, you spoke of. How do we grow and thrive in this really very, very slowly? But but that's yeah. that's more or less the path that we're going on. Yeah, so true. So true. Ed, what are some of the problems we face when we have a small view of God and a big view of man? Uh, I guess the when you try to put that into scripture, I think of what Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17 where it says, it talks about trusting in man. It talks about trusting in man or trusting in God. It, 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 it offers, there are, there are only two paths. You can trust in human beings or fear human beings or find human beings bigger. You can find God big. So, so in other words, scripture identifies that, that our tendency is certainly going to be people are more important to us than, than God himself. And, mm-hmm. What do you find with that depression? Because it's it, because it, it you're always going to experience rejection. You're never going to be 
loved as much as you want by the people around you when you put your hope in them you're going to be you're going to be anxious because this because because every relationship is going to be fragile to you you're always it's going back to the question before about earning you always have to earn this approval before other people um it is it is i think probably one of the primary culprits behind suicide and the 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 logarithmic real growth in 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 suicide over over the past five years mm-hmm. people have been online and they they've been rejected online so so it's an old problem it's not a new problem but it's it's enhanced if i was if i could put it that way uh, at this point um, yeah how can we here's the question of life how can how can we how can we find our life embedded in the creator rather than something in creation? How can our hopes be embedded in the creator rather than, rather than money or people? Those are the two most popular ways. Uh, but, but frankly, we, we put our hopes in money so we can please people. So people can think we're, we're great in, in some way. So, so yeah, the having a small view of God and a big view of people is, the same as trusting people rather than trusting God, being controlled by people, fearing people rather than trusting God. And it's an old, old problem that scripture, scripture has wonderful answers and we come across them slowly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ed. If only somebody was to write a, an excellent book on that very subject, Ed, right? <laughs> uh, you're kind, David. I, I, I think I see where you're going there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, you've just revised um, the, the, the book, haven't you? Was you surprised um, to see how well um, received the, the, the book's been? I, uh, you're, you're sort of catching me in, a, in an area that I don't think about too much. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I just don't keep track of those kinds of things. I, I thought you were going to say, were you surprised by how much the book needed to be revised? Um, no, I wasn't surprised by that. I just assumed that it needed all kinds of revisions because uh, it's it's just the nature of scripture. There's hopefully when you've written something what twenty years ago, it's going to be different if you look at it again now. Hopefully, you know we we yeah. grow and and see more in scripture. Uh, so so to go back over that to do a second edition was it was a it was a pleasure to. To, and the pleasure of writing is you get immersed in something in ways that just are a little it take it takes a longer period of time and it gets in you a little bit more so yeah the second edition of uh, when what people are big and god is small was it was a pleasure to write yeah great stuff thank you ed we're going to take a very quick break before returning to hear ed answer the free signature bar questions then we're going to come back Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you. 
to Ed. As you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar gets asked these three very important questions. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Uh, not competent, but ready. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Question one. What kind of music do you listen to? I don't listen to very much music. I play it more than I listen to it. I have instruments laying around the house. I play brass instruments. I play a hymn for my tr- in my trumpet most every day for my wife. I love playing the French horn because it's such a beautiful sound, and I play I play guitars. Uh, so so I play it more often. Uh, we put Pandora on occasionally. My wife and I. After we've had a large group of people, and it's going to take a long time to clean up, and on Pandora, my stations are Stephen Stills, um, Christian Contemporary, uh, Nora Jones, and Bonnie Raitt, and Phil Kage. So, But I, I probably play it more than I listen to it. Yeah, yeah, very good. Next signature bar question. What book or books are you currently reading? Uh, digital liturgies. I can't remember the author's name. It came out recently. I always tend to read things about the internet because I have grandchildren <laughs> who are being contaminated by all kinds of things. So that's one. I I tend to like. I'm old and I like old music. Sometimes uh, there's a book by a guy named Glenn Johns, who was a recording engineer for the Rolling Stones, and I uh, just read through his book recently. Um, there's a an article by Packer, J.I. Packer, what did the cross achieve that I read years ago in something called the Tyndale Bulletin? And it was just republished in a slightly uh, embellished form as a book. And I love all things Packer because he's just so wonderfully clear. So so I'm going slowly through what did the cross achieve? And then there's a book on conversations. I'm very interested in how do we learn how to speak with each other book called Six Conversations by Heather Holman, I think, that has been very insightful in in teaching us how to have better conversations. They're they're the ones that I I can think of right now. Very good. And are you planning on writing any any more books anytime soon, Ed? Uh, I just, a book came out on on what do, how, how do we speak to people who are grieving? I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, it's, a pre, it's a fairly literal title. What do we say to those who are grieving? Something like that. Yeah. I just uh, did, did that. And there's going to be another book, uh, Devotionals, coming out for depression that I'm just, I just submitted recently. Very good. Very good. And last thing is your bar question. What podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any? Uh... Uh, decades ago, I made a deal with my wife. Could she go on Facebook rather than me? And then she could just sort of tell me the highlights. And, and we've, we've worked that out well over the years. So this is, um, this is somewhat embarrassing. I, I don't, I've listened to one podcast all the way through. Um, uh, and I, and I looked at some of your podcasts last night as I was getting ready for our time today. But other than that, I, I have never listened to a podcast all the way through, and I haven't listened to sermons online. I I don't I don't wear earbuds very often, uh, uh, and I don't I'm not in the car very long. So oh yeah yeah I feel I feel so out of touch. But I have no answer to that particular question. <laughs> well, Ed, thank you so much. Ed, I really enjoyed speaking to you. I've enjoyed your your writing as as well over the years thank you so much for that before we let you go please take a moment to let us know your closing thoughts and also let people know how they can keep in touch with your work 
Closing thoughts. Well, first of all, it, it, these things are my avocation. So, so I certainly enjoy being able to speak about them with you. Um, what, how do I respond to, to some of these things? I think I, uh, I'll respond when we're done. I'll respond with thankfulness that, that, that we, we live in a generation. Jesus continues to remember us. And his word is so rich. Um, and, and who am I that I have opportunities to have as my job, considering how the scripture applies to life? So that's, that's what I'll take from our time. Um, how can people follow me on social media? I think I've already answered that question. I don't know. I've never been on social media. So, so there's a website. The organization I work with is CCEF. And so ccf.org is a place where I'll post things fairly often. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'm going to make sure I get the link for CCF and that will be in the description below, as well as links to um, all of your books as well will be in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this interview. Ed, thanks again for your time. I really have enjoyed speaking to you today. Thank you so much. David, likewise. Thank you very much. And to the bar listeners, thank you again for tuning in and make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get the show every single Tuesday. And just like today, we have some top, top guests coming up that you do not want to miss out on. And remember to check out the bar podcast website where you can listen to Dwayne's huge archive of interviews, which will keep you nice and busy until next time to laugh for now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.